Fine Pairs New York City headquarters, I'm Adam Teeter. I'm Joanna Sherino. And in Seattle, Washington, I'm Zach Jabal. And this is the Vine Pair Podcast. And we're in the Vine Pair studio. <laughs> no more phone booths. No, no more, more phone booths. booths. <laughs> no, like the, the studio got completed. It was supposed to be completed pre-COVID. Mm-hmm. It's now done. <laughs> we're literally like in a studio uh, built by two amazing Vine Pair employees, Katie Brown <laughs> and Keith Beavers, who is nice right work. now engineering the session. Thanks, I believe Keith. we say on the ones and twos. On the ones and twos. <laughs> Um, but yeah, so it's, it's pretty crazy back here, man. I'm, I'm really loving it. Uh, and Zach, how's, how's the basement? <laughs> it's still, still good. Still, uh, still full of wine. Thankfully haven't drank it all yet. <laughs> you guys have to post some pictures of the studio. I want to see what it looks like. We will. We will. It's not totally complete. It still needs one wall soundproofed. Mm-hmm. Um, but mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, it's, it's feeling pretty good in here. It's feeling pretty good in here. Um, so what are you both up to? Joanna, how, how was your weekend? What did you, what did you get into? what did you drink? Um, my weekend was okay. I didn't, I didn't, I can't really remember it to be honest with you, but <laughs> well, you uh, that it was that much fun. fun. Yeah, it was that much fun. Um, the days are blending into each other. Uh, no, what I did have recently though, I went to dinner with a few friends the other night and I had a mezcal cocktail with some sriracha that kind of, uh, that is weird no, it kind of me. burned my throat. I, I didn't like love that. it, I have to say. But we did get a bottle of um, some Bonnie Dune Peak Pool. <gasps> and I was like, uh, Bonnie Dune! I was very excited. <laughs> I was like, guys, we have to get this. That's awesome. And it was really great. <laughs> Where were you? Um, we were at a restaurant called The Tiger in Chinatown. The Tiger. It's g- very good. And that's the where you also excellent. had the sriracha cocktail? Yeah. Yeah. I, You know, I'm not a spicy cocktail person. <gasps> yeah, no, I that was on me. I think people would have liked it. <laughs> that was on me. <laughs> so the thing about spicy cocktails to me, and it was actually interesting when I interviewed the founder of Scrappy's Bitters, we, he talked a little bit about this. Like one of the things I've always disliked about most spicy cocktails is like there's no good way to do it without, for the most part, without putting like hot sauce in, like right. sriracha. Mm-hmm. And to me, the problem there is not so much the spice. It's the like texture. It's kind of yeah. like it's the cocktail can get kind of really grainy or like if you use Tabasco, it's like very vinegary. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's just like not a thing that I want in my cocktail. I don't mind a little spice. Like I think that can be an interesting cocktail ingredient, but literally unless you're having a Bloody Mary where you're already getting mm-hmm. all that tomato juice, I don't really want hot sauce in my drink. Yeah. yeah. I think that was part of it. Yeah. You know, it also just blows your palate out. Yeah. Yeah. I just, I'm not, I'm not into it. Um, but anyways, you know, I'm glad that you have Bonnie Dune. Mm-hmm. It's delicious. Me too. Uh, Zach, how's, how's the, the waiting going? <laughs> I know still waiting. Well, it's actually oh. funny. The, uh, the sort of, uh, period of time now where we're waiting for the baby, but my wife is totally off work and, and all that is, uh, on Tuesday, we were actually able to go wine tasting, which was kind of oh. cool. Uh, we haven't done that in a while. Cause our son is, you mean in, you went uh, wine preschool. tasting? No, no, no. We both went wine tasting. Uh, <laughs> the wineries had the same confusion, but like my wife is very comfortable having a little bit of wine while nice. she's pregnant. Mm-hmm. Has been the whole time, and certainly at this point is. And um, so, went to a couple of wineries uh, outside of Seattle in Woodenville, uh, Delille Cellars, and then uh, Janik Novelty Hill, which are kind of two sibling uh, wineries. Cool. And it was really nice. Like it was a nice-ish day, not like great, but it was. We were able to sit outside a little bit and sip some wine and just like do a thing that honestly we haven't done together since before the pandemic like we haven't gone wine tasting anywhere i've gone a a few times for some work stuff gone tasting at wineries but even then not very much and it was like really lovely and kind of a nice reminder that like oh yeah this is a like a thing we can do yeah totally it's (laughs) like a thing that exists and and the other thing is it's actually a great thing to take a newborn to because like they just sleep anyhow so i mean we will probably do it again later in october or something when when we have some you know again when saul is at school and we can just uh pop off for a Tuesday or Wednesday uh, little getaway. So nice, man. I'm looking forward mm-hmm. to it. Nice, man. 
What about you, Adam? Uh, so I had my in-laws in town this past weekend. Uh, so, you know, we, we had some adventures. Um, I first went to a restaurant. Um, so I had a really interesting experience actually that, uh, will, will basically, (laughs) uh, be a piggyback to our conversation last Tuesday about sort of like, uh, you know, hybrids and things like that. And Mm -hmm. Uh so (sighs) had a wine, a dinner at this restaurant in Fort Greene. I, I know, I know. (laughs) <laughs> and uh i know where we're going already I like and it. it was supernatural uh-huh and it was because like there was literally not like first it of all it, otherworldly yes it was other it was otherworldly so it i got i got a little bit bothered because um you know like whenever we go out with family especially when we're going with either of our parents i i know they're gonna try to pay mm-hmm. but then they still mm-hmm. give me the wine list right so like i'm trying yeah. to be I don't ever want to order bottles that Naomi or I would order because even though I still think that they're totally reasonable, like my parents are from Auburn, Alabama. Her parents are from Lancaster, Pennsylvania. Like they think a $75 to $80 bottle of wine is expensive, mm-hmm. right? Which is fair, sure. totally fair, right? Because they also live in a market where those are expensive bottles, right? Mm-hmm. So this restaurant only had like two bottles under 70 bucks, and then mm-hmm. everything else was actually over 100 And wow. what was really weird is it was – a very like casual restaurant. So, you know, it was like, I I was kind of shocked that that is what the deal was. So I found this one wine. It was a wine from California and the blend was Zinfandel, Carignan, Chenin Blanc. And it was for that blend only 12 and a half percent alcohol. And I remember sending Keith, a picture of the bottle and him saying that blend should never be that low in alcohol. Mm-hmm. It just shouldn't. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it, not unless it's not unless it's 90% shit and block. Yeah. yeah. And it was, and so I can tell you it was 10%. It was yeah. 70% Zinfandel. Wow. So, and it just was all funk. It was just kombucha basically. Yeah. And it was just kind of disappointing because I could tell my in-laws didn't like it. But I, you know what I mean? But I couldn't, like, that was the wine on the list that was the price I knew they'd be okay with. And they were uh-huh. totally nice about it. They're like, oh, this is interesting. And I was like, yeah, like, they <laughs> really, the like, they really don't like this. And, you know, it just, I don't know. It was one of these things where I thought about, like, this is exactly what we talked about, where this is, I'm actually surprised they put the blend on it. This was just like, we had some grapes and we made kombucha. And here you go. And yeah, it and just here, pay us seventy five dollars. Well, I mean, the restaurant wants whatever for it. Yeah, just that's. Ugh. Were you there for the food? Yeah, the food is great. Okay, um, the food is great, but like it just it shows like this is what's happened sort of sure. in a lot of these places. Like this is just what the list is supposed to be now. Mm-hmm. Um, we did get redeemed because the next the next night I took them to Gage and Tolmer, mm-hmm. and we had an incredible experience, and we had great cocktails and amazing wine. But I mean, it was just it was a bummer because like I I really wanted to have a good time with them and have them enjoy the wine. And I just could tell that that wasn't happening. And I kept thinking to myself, man, we just got cocktails. Mm-hmm. Well, and a thing that this, this made me think about is the way in which restaurant goers, you're like, you're so at, held hostage by the wine list, right? Yeah. Like, especially if they don't do a good job of giving you a lot of options at various price points and like not having very, like having two wines under a hundred bucks or whatever is pretty shitty. It, I mean, I get it. New York city, a little different animal than most places, but still like, that's a lot of like you're just not especially if if the wines are going to be that uh let's say interesting yeah <laughs> um 
there's just a lot to put on people and you just, you create a situation where it's like, why do you want people's experience? Why do you, I mean, why do you want people to walk away from that being like, man, we had a great meal, but I really wish the wine list was not, you know, I wish I could have had a wine I liked. Yeah. And that's just <laughs> such a bummer to me because yeah, like, sucks. you know, I don't think anyone, including the producers of those wines, want people to drink them out of like gritting their teeth. Like this is the only option that we had. Like yeah, that, that's resort. how you turn people mm-hmm. off yeah. of wine. No, it was, it was a bummer. It was, it was totally a bummer, but otherwise great visit. Um, yeah. So that, that's it. That's so, great. So, you know, uh, today we're going to talk about some some another topic we've talked about a little bit uh, on the podcast, but always just sort of in the intro section, um, which is basically based off of an article we ran this week uh, on Vine Pair by Dave Infante, uh, all about whether or not hard seltzer is killing the college kegger. Mm-hmm. But we thought we'd sort of expand that into like, do we think hard seltzer is ultimately going to kill light beer or cheap beer? Mm-hmm. Um I, I don't know. I feel like uh, probably, but I don't think so. <laughs> you don't think so? Why? Mm-hmm. Hot take. Because, well, part of the part of the article that Dave, you know, talks about in the article and talks to a number of college aged students or people rather, um, is that it's expensive. Yeah. So hard seltzer, yeah. you mean? Hard seltzer is expensive. Yeah. So if you're going to buy like a <clears throat> case of beer or something, it's going to be or a keg in this instance, it's going to be a lot cheaper than going and buying. Uh, you know, a case of hard seltzer for much more money. But what I wonder is, is that pricing difference necessary? Like, in other words, are the raw inputs, the cost of producing a hard seltzer meaningfully more expensive than producing cheap beer? Like producing light beer? No, (laughs) no. And so I think you're going to see like what happens when the, you know, natty light version of, well, I think they actually do have a hard seltzer. But in other words, like (laughs) someone is going to undercut the current pricing, right? Because Mm. there's just... I think I think that the the thing about cheap beer that resonates is the cheap part and the beer part is kind of optional, right? Like what a lot of people, including in Dave's piece, you know, a lot of the, the college students quoted, and I think this is not just true for college students, for a lot of people who drink light beer, cheap beer, the things they want are basically like, you know, inexpensive alcohol delivery service and kind of inoffensive flavor. And frankly, seltzer might be able to deliver that better than cheap beer because cheap beer is like you know, not everyone likes the taste. A lot of people, right, and plus right. you add in the like gluten intolerance thing. Like there's a lot of people that want cheap something that is like, you know, t- t- palatable to them and, and cheap beer ain't it. I see. I kind of now, based on what you just said, I'm going to agree with Joanna because, <laughs> fair enough, because I actually think that when you are looking for something just refreshing, I don't know if I need to get pamplemousse and blood orange and mango all up in my in my taste buds. Like maybe I just basically want water. And that is what a lot of cheap beer is. It's mm. like a very refreshing, cold, light, somewhat malty beverage, but that is at the end of the day completely inoffensive. And I do think that when seltzers get really cheap, mm-hmm. The flavors also get really nasty. Oh, yeah. Like I think they get even more artificial than they already taste. Having tasted some of the very cheap hard seltzers, and so then it's like, well, if I have a choice, I'd rather have cheap beer. And the other thing I think that we forget about with cheap beer is like I just think there is a culture around like pitchers mm-hmm. and stuff yeah. that you just will never have with hard seltzer. Like the whole like buckets of, of claws. Look, maybe that's going to be what we see. We're just going to see buckets of claws everywhere. But there is again, a nice thing about like getting a pitcher of draft beer and hanging out. I don't, and everyone 
whether it's correct or incorrect, and like if you're more of a beer expert than me, you know, you might argue with me, but there is an appeal of like the taste of draft, mm-hmm. right? And I've never yeah. heard people say like draft hard t- seltzer tastes better. It just happens to be seltzer think- being pushed through a draft because it's hel- it's helpful for the margins of you know Buffalo Wild yeah. Wings, right? <laughs> but like draft beer does have this nice carbonation that you don't get in the can and that you get that when you get it by the pitcher, right? Like, so maybe that will also cause it to continue. Yeah. I mean, I think I want to be clear. I think there's like a, a type of, like, I think beer as a category will always be here. Like, well, I, think yeah, of course. I don't but think white claw or whatever yeah, yeah. is coming for, for craft beer or anything like that. But I think there is like, I, I guess I would say it's more like an unknown at this point, whether the, just because there's been a culture of a thing doesn't mean that that culture can't change. And one of the things that's also very kind of cleverly pointed out in Dave's piece is that, especially as regards things like the college kegger, this prolonged COVID period is, you know, scrambling a lot of what people's behaviors were. There aren't as many 500,000 person gatherings as there used to be on college campuses. I mean, there are presumably still some Um, and, and people's, you know, a new generation is, you know, a, a new freshman class enters every year mm-hmm. and they may, you know, hard seltzers is still a very new category. And if they grew up, you know, I mean, again, we, you know, you shouldn't drink underage. It's illegal, but people do it. And they, that, that the high school generation now might well be drinking hard seltzer because it's more palatable than cheap beer. Um, and even if it's a little more expensive, that maybe isn't such a big obstacle or whatever for some of them. And I just think like the use case for cheap beer I don't believe that hard seltzer can't do almost all of that if it figures it out. Um, other than maybe that convivial thing you mentioned, Adam, of, you know, the pitchers and all that. So, you know, maybe there's still a place for both. But I think you look at like some of the beer producers. I mean, I don't I don't know if we have hard data on this, but like, I mean, but, you know, Anheuser-Busch is clearly recognizing that their future might be producing Bud Light seltzer more than Bud Light. I think it's very smart and strategic for them to have it, of course, because I do think that it's capturing a part of the market, right? And, um, but I still think that I, yeah, I don't think that they'll ever get rid of or it will ever beat beat out their light beer. Yeah, I think if you start to really look at where Seltzer is stealing share. One of the biggest places it's stealing share is wine. And if you talk to, and now we're not talking, you know, high end wine, right? Right. We're talking, you know, cheap wine, um, sure. you know, under $10 bottles, but the bottles that often get brought to parties, like, you know, we're talking about. And that drinker was never drinking the beer. Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. Right. Like they brought wine. I mean, you know, we've had employees tell us in college they played, you know, uh, sort of uh, beer pong with wine, right? Like yeah. that they were, which I think is very dangerous. <laughs> but you know that there was because they just didn't like beer. And I think you know if you talk to some people that Dave talks to, you say that right? Like mm-hmm. I like seltzer because I've never liked beer, and now it's the yeah. thing that I can drink at these parties. Mm-hmm. So you know that also still remains to be seen. Like I think 
Joanna's 100% on point here. Like, it's just very smart of Bud Light. Yeah. Like, it's just, it's a great brand extension. And yes, are they going to lose some Bud Light drinkers to Bud Light Seltzer? For sure. But I think they're also going to gain people who were not Bud Light drinkers into the brand of Bud Light who are interested in seltzer. Mm -hmm. And maybe that's the thing that's on offer at, you know, their college campus or the sports bar or whatever. Um, I mean, I will say, like, having walked around the neighborhood recently and tried to look into sports bars, like, I definitely see a mix of both, right? I, I see a lot of people drinking, you know, pitchers of beer. And I also do see a lot of, like, buckets of hard seltzer. Um but, but it's also the other thing I think it's interesting about the hard seltzers. It's, it's usually one of two brands, mm-hmm. you know, and so it's it's you've got to like those brands to to totally you know give in and like the brands are not Bud Light Seltzer to be clear. It's yeah. truly in White Claw. Mm-hmm. So if you don't like either of those two, like you're probably going to stick to beer if you were already a beer drinker. Yeah, I guess I want to be clear. I don't think my point was like that. Existing beer drinkers are going to en masse flee the beer category for for seltzer. Some have, some might, but it's more about what the what sort of, I guess you'd call like rising drinkers are going to want. Right. So your argument is like, is it, is it just, is it so pervasive now that people who their first drink might've been a cheap beer going to be a seltzer instead? Yeah. Well, there's like someone quoted in Dave's story who's like, I didn't really even drink beer till I graduated college. Like right. that is mm-hmm. un, sort of unfathomable to me. I mean, obviously, I went to college with people who didn't drink, and I went to college with people who didn't drink beer at all. But, you know, the thought that someone would get through four years of college, like, I think, I don't remember where that person went to school, but it doesn't really matter, and had never tried beer, basically, because seltzer was so pervasive, is so pervasive. And again, I think we talked about way back early on in the rise of seltzer, because our podcast is like as old as the seltzer boom, um, is like how one of the big selling points for seltzer, one of the big kind of things that's kind of commendable about it is, unlike beer, it does not come gendered nearly as much. And I think part of it too is like drinking culture in college because of, you know, just a lot of things has often been, you know, bifurcated by gender to some extent, or, you know, the expectation is maybe that, that people want different things. And seltzer seems to be to this point, still a place where everyone can drink the same thing. And and that may not be a pitcher of beer that's shared, but that ability to have the same drink, you know, essentially in everyone's hands. And the only distinction being what flavor you prefer, but no one's like looking down at you because you like to drink hard seltzer. I think that's going to be a really powerful thing. I think it's, it would be a mistake for producers of, of light beer to kind of not see that, that universality, I suppose, of the cat of the product is, appealing to to young drinkers who are just sort of dipping their toes in it and don't you know so much of it in that age too is like you want to just fit in right like mm-hmm. you want to blend in you don't want to be the person who causes a scene you don't want to be the person who like has hard to satisfy taste or is drinking something different than everyone else and so while a decade or two decades or three decades ago that might have been you know circling up around the keg now that's opening a white claw mm-hmm. yeah i i agree with that i think that you're actually Absolutely right for this younger generation. And what I think is really interesting is the older generation of light beer drinkers and how, um, you know, what it's been like for them to experience hard seltzer if they're if they're switching over or not. And I was wondering if either of you had any thoughts on that. Like if people that we know who are older are switching over? Yeah. Like I don't think, I don't know that, that my know. parents would ever try a hard seltzer. Yeah. Like I was just sitting here thinking while Zach was talking – um, I was listening, Zach. I want to be clear. I wasn't. Oh, okay. like, I wasn't okay. slacking. I can't slack now. I'm in the studio. It's like it'd be too obvious. Um, <laughs> no, is uh, 
Do you get as bloated from seltzer as you used to get? From, I used to remember like when we would drink beer, oh, like a beer. lot of beer, I'd be like, oh, mm-hmm. no, I don't lot. think so. But why? Isn't it just carbonated? Like, I don't, wouldn't you? Like, I can't drink a lot of like Pellegrino. <laughs> so, like, such a, you know what I mean? Like, I don't, I wouldn't you get just it's like. This is actually very interesting because Evan. Should we try? Well, Evan, my partner who loves hard seltzer, as I've mentioned before. Yeah, he was was doing a lot of like, I can't drink a lot of beer anymore. Like, it just, it makes me too full or whatever. Does it do But he can crush White Claws. Trust me. Like, is it because it's just like water and sugar fermented as opposed to no grain? Like, not, you know, grain brine? I think so. So it's it's basically not a a bucket of bread. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Liquid bread. Yeah, no one has ever called seltzer, a hard seltzer, liquid bread. That's so interesting, huh? And I do think that there's like something about that thing that you guys were saying, you know, you were saying, Adam, about like kind of wanting something flavorless and, you know, just kind of like alcoholic water to drink when it's hot out of your hand. Yeah, 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 and true. I actually think seltzer does an even better job of that than beer, it, it, or it can at least. And I think like, you know, we're we're still in this very, very early stage of the category where, you know, now we've seen this incredible mushrooming of all these different brands and someone is going to position themselves as basically not maybe literally with this branding, but like as the sort of like low flavor, yeah, like mm-hmm. barely detectable because then it's not offensive and like cheap crushable seltzer. Like there's going to be a brand or brands that, that go down that route in the same way that we've seen some brands lean into like higher yeah. alcohol you know, mm-hmm. et cetera, right? Like true, true. The cat, as a category b- grows, it's going to diversify and, be, and, will, and sort of separate out. But I just, I, I, to the question that Joanna posed about, you know, people turning away from beer for seltzer, including, you know, her partner, I think that, you know, again, I don't think that the person who's a craft beer devotee is, I'm not saying they don't drink seltzer, they might, but they're not going to probably, you know, given a choice, give up IPAs or stouts or sours or whatever for, for seltzer. But that was, but those people weren't, you know, weren't drinking a lot of cheap beer in the first place. Right, or if they, they weren't, weren't hitting different like Nicola situation. Waltram, yeah, that mm-hmm. kind of stuff. Yeah. yeah, and to me, again, I'll, I'll repeat an anecdote I told uh, last week or the week before. It was striking to me to see one of these places where where cheap beer has dominated, which is like you know baseball games, and going to a baseball game and seeing so many people walking around with Trulies, because mm-hmm. that's I think the brand that has a sponsorship with the Mariners. Yeah. But like they would have been drinking White Claws if they had them or whatever. Like, and it was like. The same person who would, have been, who would have had three years ago a Bud Light or a Coors Light or whatever, and like. So can I ask a question? At the game, because I didn't think to ask you about this. Like at the game, what you normally would see, right, is not just that it would be like a a Bud Light or a Miller Light, but they'd be like a huge tall boy. Yeah, yeah. Were they huge yeah, tall well, boys? Thing. Or oh, yeah. Yep, 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 yep. That's so crazy. I, I experienced yeah. that in twenty like September twenty nineteen at a Giants game, and I was yeah. Shocked. You're like, like all these people are drinking hard, like giant cans of hard. It's crazy. Yeah. I mean, I guess, you know, Zach, thinking about it more, I do. No, 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 no. I agree with Zach. No, no. I do have, (laughs) I do have friends who have switched over for sure, who I think would be normally light beer drinkers, including someone I'm related to, may or may not be my brother-in-law, who enjoy on the weekends when he also, you know, when just having family day or whatever, to dump Trulies into his water bottle uh-huh. and just hang out in the backyard with the kids, like, drinking some Trulies. It's, yeah. hey, it's Saturday. But, like, I, I realized you can't, you couldn't do that with beer. Like, well, the second the, the light beer got, the whole point of a light beer is that it's, and, like, a cheap light beer is that it's, it's good very cold. Mm-hmm. The second it starts yeah. to get warm, there's a reason that Coors Light says, like, 
taste the Rockies, right? And like, make <laughs> yeah, sure you chill this down as blue. much as possible. Yeah, it's got to be blue. But like, it's got to be blue. <laughs> but the second that like truly kind of warms up, it starts starts to taste like. I mean, again, I'm not. I don't know, but I would assume it just sort of starts to taste like warm, you know, lemon flavored. Pellegrino or Perrier or whatever, right? Like it's just More it's palatable. kind of like a war yeah, exactly. So like you can you put it in your water bottle, you hang out with the kids. The kids don't have to see you. I think he does do because like you know he's having a drink on the Saturday, but like, he doesn't need his kids who are toddlers to see him like drinking. So you know he, you're not supposed to let your toddler see you drink. Uh-oh. I don't know. Well, yeah, <laughs> the old like Don Draper, get me another beer. I, well, yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. No, I'll never forget when uh, my my niece was really really young and uh, she's like three. She's very precocious. And we recorded a video of her where my sister-in-law was asking her what was on the table. And she goes, wine, mommy's wine. <laughs> and her mom was like, oh, really? She goes, yeah, here, mommy, here, mommy, have wine, mommy. And it was like, oh, no, my, my son gets, my son gets very confused and sort of like when, when we're not having wine with dinner, which, you know, we don't drink wine every night. We drink wine a fair number of nights. And he's like, why aren't you drinking wine? Yeah. And it's like, you know, well, we don't want you tonight. And he's like, well, you should drink some wine. It's yeah. Like, okay, bud. We're good. It's so funny. <laughs> it's really, really <laughs> funny. Yeah. Like my other uh, nephew likes to take beers out of the fridge and give them to to us and be like, beer, beer. <laughs> <laughs> That's a well-trained child. Yeah. Um, uh, I have one last thought I want to add on this, though, which is um, the, the question of kind of like if – Hard seltzer does true does well. Like God, I hate that I can't say truly without mm-hmm. it feeling like a without like a marketing plug. If hard seltzer, in fact, does largely replace cheap beer, I don't know that I'd be sad about that. Like, I, I, I don't have like strong affinity. Statement. <laughs> I don't. I, I don't have a like. I don't have like warm fuzzies about Bud Light or mm-hmm. you know whatever PBR. Um, I mean, but like champagne, of beers, Miller high life. I mean, like I have certainly drank all those beers. I don't have anything against them. I don't like root Milwaukee's for them to best. stop existing. But to me, it's like, like I just kind of, I'm like, Strokes? whenever I drink those beers, I'm like, I'd rather, I kind of would rather be drinking something else. Maybe Natural not a hard light? seltzer, but that's like rarely what I want. I'm just, so maybe that's the, just me. The light beer brands while Zach talks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. I like I just, that. It's like an immemorial. All the people who are, who are pulling their sponsorships of me. It's like an in memoriam <laughs> that we're doing because Zach doesn't care. It's like, it's like, here's, here's all the great light beer brands that are gone. Thanks yeah, to Zach. Wow. <laughs> I've just never gotten over them moving, pulling Rainier out of brewing in Seattle. And now it's brewed in like California. Yeah. That's a bummer. I don't know, man. I still, I think that there's a place for both of them. I don't mm. think like one has, I think obviously one will ultimately have higher sales than the other. I still think it remains to be seen. Um, it probably at least like writing on the wall right now is that it probably will be seltzer in mm-hmm. the near future. Yeah. But I do think that there's still going to be a place for cheap beer. Um, you know, you just I, just, I can't see like chefs at the end of their shift being like, hey, let's get a bucket of Trulies. And like, they already do, know. man. They already do. No, they don't. <laughs> I, it was happening when I was still working in restaurants, man. Like people get off work and they'd want seltzers. I mean, not everyone. Some people were drinking beers, but like golf, golf courses, all well, those that, places. That I man. see the golf course. Yes. But like I'm saying, like it was all starting to change. Like, I just think like, you know, there are certainly people who are sort of married to their identity as a beer drinker. But I think a lot of people just kind of were like the beer was the the best fit for their need until seltzer came along. And seltzer maybe does some of the things that beer did better than beer does at this point. Okay, fair, fair mm-hmm. point. All right. Well, I guess it remains to be seen. Uh, if you are someone who listens to the podcast and you have become a hard seltzer drinker and used to be a 
cheap beer drinker, let us know. <laughs> if you disagree with Zach, definitely let us know. <laughs> um, and uh, Joanna, Zach, I'll talk to you Friday. See ya. Sounds great. Thanks so much for listening to the Vine Pair Podcast. If you love this show as much as we love making it, then please leave us a rating or review on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever it is you get your podcasts. It really helps everyone else discover the show. Now for the credits. Vine Pair is produced and recorded in New York City and Seattle, Washington by myself and Zach Jabal, who does all the editing and loves to get the credit. Also, I would love to give a special shout out to my Vine Pair co-founder, Josh Mallon, for helping me make all this possible. And also to Keith Beavers, Vine Pair Tastings Director, who is additionally a producer on this show. I also want to, of course, thank every other member of the Vine Pair team who are instrumental in all of the ideas that go into making this show every week. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll see you again.